Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the April 16, 2023 session, focusing on Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 36, Spirit Connection. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Crystal Shepard. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Bert Montgomery. Daniel and I are back. Woo! Woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I do well, appreciate. Hang, hang on to that. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate Nikki, Crystal, Burt, y'all carrying on while we were away for the last couple of episodes. Appreciate that very much. I had a wonderful time at the beach with my my family and friends, and you you made that possible. So thank you. We had fun. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. You said carried on, so <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, no, that that's fun. Y'all had a good time. I'm glad. Well. One of the things that's interesting to do when I travel is is people watch. I, I don't know if you all do that or not, but you know, get you find yourself in different public settings and people are kind of interesting. So, you know, I'm I'm curious, where's your favorite place to people watch and why? Well, until I was 18, when we moved away, my favorite, just anywhere I went in and around New Orleans, because you just never knew who or what you were going to see. There was so much diversity and so much creativity and just so much zaniness. So that even just going to a suburban mall, I would just sit down and watch because it was just, I loved it. Mm. You know, going to SEC football games and baseball games and stuff is fun, but it's not quite as edgy, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I'd have to say my favorite place is the uh, the airport. So <laughs> little quick diversion here. There's a comedian who talks about relationships are like chocolate-covered raisins, that one person's the chocolate, one person is the raisin. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I'm not proud of this, but ever since I heard that, you know, when you're people watching, you try to guess who's the chocolate and who's the raisin that's that's a little a little fun game and it, and it's it's fun at the airport i love that i need to try that for sure i think for me it's probably the beach we don't get to go that often but it's like something about the beach like people's inhibitions are like gone and so you start to really kind of like see like the under the layers, so to speak. So I like that one place I, I have to throw in a place I do not enjoy people watching is it when I'm in traffic in a, in people's cars. Cause it's like, they think that there is like, no, like you can't see them if they're in their car. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I do not those enjoy people are watching not as, Yeah. They think those windows are much more tinted than they yes, are. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's like the Seinfeld episode, right? No, yeah. I wasn't picking. <laughs> It was a scratch. It was a scratch. (laughs) Oh, well, I enjoy watching people at restaurants Mm. because, you know, even though you're kind of all, you know, sitting at a chair at a table or at a counter or something, but, you know, just imagining what they're talking about and the facial expressions. Of course, sometimes you can hear what they're talking about, which isn't always fun. But (laughs) anyway, it's interesting. Plus, you know, what do they order? (laughs) Well, one of the things that's fun about watching people is, you know, you do get a sense of personality sometimes, whether they're chocolate or raisins or what they order for dinner or, you know, how they dress at the beach or I don't know. But we get a sense of people's, you know, mood and spirit. And and we're faced with a text today from Acts, which, you know, is all about the spirit. So, Bert, would you help us get started with this one? Oh, yes. This is going to be fun. Because as I mentioned, I grew up in and around New Orleans. And today's story from Acts reminds me of a little a little event that I witnessed some three decades or so 
one mid-morning on a Mardi Gras day when I was people watching. I went to some of the parades in the suburb of Metairie, and for a while I was just hanging out with some friends of mine from school who were, they were a part of a big charismatic church. And they had set up a large stage on a side street, just a few steps from the main parade route, and they cranked up a live band, singing Christian songs, of course, and they followed that band with a dynamic, funny, and loud preacher. Oh, he lifted a verse here, and he lifted a verse there, as preachers are apt to do, and he used them to explain why everyone not sobered up and worshiping around his stage were going to hell in a handbasket. And boy, if they thought New Orleans in August was hot. Anyway, that preacher, by the way, is still around, and he's still utilizing his thick Cajun accent and his quick-witted style to bilk millions and millions of dollars from his flock. I am not a fan. Anyway, since Jesus told Peter he'd make Peter a fisher of men, well, then this church figured Mardi Gras morning in Metairie, Louisiana, was as good a fishing hole as any, just jumping with lost souls ready to bite. Now, you need to know that Metairie parades are far more family-friendly and child-friendly than what you see on the Bourbon Street tourist trap Mardi Gras videos. But still, (laughs) still... It was still Mardi Gras time in New Orleans, and the Mardi Gras season, like the season of Pentecost, lasts a few weeks. So even on that Fat Tuesday morning, there were a lot of intoxicated persons stumbling around. Now, Mardi Gras Day brings an end to the Mardi Gras season, but Pentecost Sunday marks the beginning of the church season of Pentecost. And on this very first Pentecost Sunday, as we read earlier in chapter 2, if you go back and read the earlier verses, the Spirit rushes in like a mighty wind, and things look that look like tongues of fire are popping around and touching everyone there. You know that part of the story. It involves all everybody speaking different languages that they don't know, representing the languages of all, all the nations represented among all the people there. Oh, my charismatic friends love this part of Acts, and they love speaking in tongues and appearing drunk to folks who don't understand. But again, on that Pentecost morning, it was Peter, not a televangelist, who got up and preached to everyone gathered. And you remember Peter. It was Peter. You remember Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter, the one who talked too much, who boasted too much, who tried to maneuver his way into Jesus' second-hand man too much, who, who told Jesus to shut up and get with the program and stop talking about suffering and sacrifice and death, who drew his sword to fight for Jesus in the garden, and who swore he'd never renounce knowing Jesus before he did it three times. Yeah, that Peter. It's that same Peter who gets up to preach, and like preachers are apt to do, he starts lifting beloved pieces of Scripture from here and from there, but rather than using them to scare the hell out of everybody, he begins to use them to build a theological foundation of hope from the resurrection and from the Spirit of God that is flowing through them in that moment. And it all comes back to Jesus, Peter says, and to God, Peter says, who refuses to let our destruction, our division, and our fascination and obsession with death have the final word. Even all those who were present, even all of us who rush and condemn and crucify Jesus ourselves, 
Our killing of Jesus by God's power simply becomes the birth pangs of new life. Notice how Peter refers to everyone as kinfolk, brothers, sisters, siblings. We're not separated. We're connected. No matter how much we try to divide each other, ourselves from one another, no matter how much we try to destroy God's creation, no matter how much we divide and destroy each other, no matter how much our lives blaspheme the Spirit of Christ, God always continues filling our chasms, reclaiming those we've rejected and restoring life to the death all around us. African-American New Testament scholar Mitzi J. Smith summarizes the conclusion of Peter's sermon like this. Our common ground lies in what God did and is doing among us. God promises, sins, and pours out power. God destroys death and death-dealing. God lifts up and exalts life. And God calls us to do likewise. Oh, what a powerful word from Peter via Reverend Metsy Smith. A powerful world for our world today, filled with so much death. Listen to it again. Our common ground lies in what God did and what God is doing among us. God promises, sins, and pours out power. God destroys death and death dealing. Well, we've got a lot of folks dealing in death these days. God lifts up and exalts life, and God calls us. We might say on the day of Pentecost, God empowers us to do likewise. May the wild and mischievous Holy Spirit pour out power among us so that we may do likewise in our world this Pentecost season. Bert, thank you so much for that. I'm trying, I'm I'm trying not to get emotional. It's hard for me. For for those of you who don't know, th- this recording is happening the week of the Covenant School shooting. And when Kentucky has passed some sweeping legislation against trans individuals. And I've felt pretty hopeless and haven't really known what to do because what I would do before is just get on social media and blast out some stuff and alienate a bunch of people. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place to like share how you feel, but that's not going to change minds. And that's not really, I don't know that that's really action. And so, gosh, like that, what you just said gave me so much hope because I've been, my prayer has been, God, what do I do? Like what, what, what? And Wow, like it it gives me hope that that power will be there when I need it to do what needs to be done. And I think that's true for all of us in our individual lives and collectively in, in, in looking out for the least of these. I think that that power will be there just like that power was there at Pentecost. So thank you so much for that, because I needed that word today. I did, too. 
Crystal. I think I think you're you're right on. And I, what strikes me is that the, the common refrain after tragedy happens is, you know, folks will say thoughts and prayers, and uh, you know, as if, well, it's up to God to fix this, mm-hmm. and and thoughts are good and prayers are good, but God is generous with power for us to do something. And we have things we must do, and not just convey thoughts and powers, but vote and pass legislation, et cetera, to to protect life. The other thing that strikes me is, and God is not stingy with pouring out power and and spirit. If if God wanted us to only have a little bit. I mean, you don't pour it out. When you pour something out, you are lavish, you are generous, you are, we might even say, wasteful. But I, I don't know where I'm going with that, other than that's a beautiful image, I think, of of what God wants us to do and be. And, and, and it's not like we just have a little scintilla of power and we should just use our little voice. No, we've got the incredible spirit of God that has been poured out upon us. And we can we can do something. We can affect change. So often I have been in light of tragedy and in light of political defeat, I give in to hopelessness. I say, you know what? Nothing's going to change. People are people. They only care about themselves. Power corrupts. <laughs> but the other thing you said, Bert, is that death doesn't have the last word and hopelessness doesn't have the last word either. You know, some sometimes our our discussions about things that are hard to wrap our minds around, like power, like the spirit. And we've been talking already about both our feelings of powerlessness, but also how we wish that we had the power to change things. So I've lived in Kentucky again now for six years. And one of the things that has been noticeable during these six years, and especially in the last year, (laughs) has been how windy it is. I don't remember when I lived here before how that it, it was this windy, but it, it, I mean, even today, it is windy out there. And tomorrow, they're saying we may have winds, you know, gusting up 50 or 60 miles an hour again. And <laughs> I, so I hear us talking about this, and yet I am aware of the wind and how powerful it is. There are still barns that don't have roofs. Mm-hmm. There's still tr- houses that are damaged from trees that came down in the last storm. Good grief, Bert. You're in Mississippi. You know more than I do about the destruction of the wind. But I, I don't know. It, that is a bit of hopefulness, I think, that we can see in this weird, we understand scientifically how wind works, but it's this invisible thing otherwise that has incredible ability to move things and change things. Maybe, maybe the spirit is more like the wind and and that uh, participating in that gives us more power than we think we have. Crystal started with reminding us of the events of this week that we're recording, the, the mass shootings and the mass shooting in Nashville, which, of course, there have been more mass shootings in 2023 than there have been days 
There's a statistic I just saw. And, and, and we know that, you know, people are, we don't want to talk about it, but people profit from this, profit from the fear, profit from pushing high military assault rifles. And, and that was in my mind, although I, I didn't start writing this way, but when I read that text, that red quote from Mitzi Smith about God destroys death and death dealing, because there are so much death dealing around us and those who are profiting simply by allowing it to happen. So that, yeah, thank you for that, that there is hope. But the, 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 something else I want to say about this is as a reminder for me, Peter, that, that Peter's the first one to get up and preach, right? He's the first recorded preacher we've got post-resurrection, even before Paul and all of his sermons that used to put people to sleep and bore people to death, literally. You know, here's Peter. Well, again, Peter was the one who had his eye set on a completely different vision of who Jesus was, all the way to the very end. It was about power. It was about privilege. It was about me getting myself in the right place around Jesus. And then when all, all hell breaks loose on the night of the betrayal, Peter wants none of it. And he's hiding, fearing for his life, right? And denies Jesus three times. And yet, Peter is the one to preach. And for me, you know, I look back at some of my first sermons I've preached, and I look back at some of the sermons I preached just a year ago, and I think, oh, my gosh, how did, what did I, I had no idea what I was saying, boy, has my theology changed, all that stuff. And, you know, I find hope in Peter, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that our past, no matter how well-intentioned it might have been, how off it was from, from the mark, that Peter still has a place and a purpose in God, and Peter still grows. I mean, Peter still has rough edges and dogma issues that he has to work out going forward with the Gentiles, and, th and he and Paul get into it, right? And that that's just hope for, for all of us, I think. We never have it right, <laughs> and that even Peter, after this sermon, is going to grow and evolve in his, his thinking and his beliefs as he grows further in the Spirit. And again, that's that's hope that we're not trapped in the moment and trapped in the past, that, that God is still building something new in each of us. Sort of to, to change the subject only slightly. And, and let me say, I, I've, I've complained about this before, but I, I really wish listeners that David would let us work ahead and record these, you know, we could, we could take like a weekend and like record, you know, half a year, but he doesn't let us do that. He, we we record these like two weeks before you hear them, and that's not because we're lazy. It's because we want this to be timely and relevant. So we're talking about, you know, events of the week. Also, you listeners might, if, if you read, you know, church news, you might be aware that this knucklehead about two hours up the road from me, Virginia, a man named Mike Law, published a list of a bunch of churches that either have Southern Baptist ties or historical Southern Baptist ties who have called uh, women to serve as pastors of their church, whether as senior pastors, associate pastors, whatever. And it's, you know, it's it looks more like a hit list to me because it's got pictures, it's got addresses, and it's, it's dangerous for one thing, and well, just stupid on the other hand too but but and and the reason i bring that up is because i think 
I think this passage speaks against what Mike Law is trying to do, which is say, this is the way that God works. God works through male persons only, and, and, and that's the way it always has been. That's the way it always will be. What Acts 2 tells us is that God is in charge of where God's Spirit blows, where God's Spirit is poured out. Your sons, oh, it says, and your daughters, huh? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And yes, that's the same word for preaching. Mm-hmm. And both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit, verse 18, and they shall, not might, or perhaps they shall prophesy. And so when, when we love to make these narrow limits of God, God pushes back and says, no, you know, it's like the wind. My spirit is indiscriminate. It's for all. And, you know, all flesh. Verse 17. Yeah, and, and I think it's very important to note that that the women, there's nothing there saying that the 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 women are going to get a a lesser amount. Right. Man, so that there's a clear hierarchy. There's no hierarchy. Right? That's right. It's, crystals is fully filled with the spirit as any of us, Reverend Crystal Shepherd. And 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 also this is nothing new because Peter yeah. is lifting this from the prophets of our Hebrew scriptures, of the Christian Old Testament, from Joel, right? So it's always been this way. It's, it's, you know, we've just not been paying attention. That's when revolutionary I think, stuff. I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. There's like the power of God. But I think what this is talking about, like what we're, what we're discussing is the power of men and the power of, of human beings to try to control and I really, as Daniel was talking, I was just thinking like, there's a beautiful fluidity to God. And we, a lot of times fail to see that. And we really do ourselves a disservice, especially I think those of us who are in the church, who we get so locked into, and I'm going to say this, I think it happens whether you're really conservative, whether you're really liberal, I think you can get really locked into this is how it is. And this, I'm in control of this little niche. And so I think allowing that fluidity to flow into your individual relationship with God, but also into your churches, into your Christian organizations to allow for maybe I don't know everything. And maybe, just maybe, this person who is very different from me might have some words of wisdom. They, they might have an insight to God that maybe I wouldn't have. So I don't know if that, if that kind of tracks with what, what we've been talking about, but that's, kind of, that's what I feel like I'm hearing, or at least it's the way I'm interpreting things, that we, we narrow it so much. And just, it, just because we might be moderate or even liberal doesn't mean that we don't narrow it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to use that lens on ourselves. Or we, ch- we can choose to. And I think this goes right back to what Bert was saying in his intro, which was that part of the part of the call for us is to participate in the work of God's Spirit here. And, and what I hear us describing it, is that we can sometimes 
quench the spirit as well, right? We can, we, so where there are women who are called to preach and we, we try to quiet them, that, that is quenching the spirit. That's not helping. Mm-hmm. That's not encouraging. That's quenching. And, it, you know, which could be an interesting lens for us to pay attention to how we act as people, as churches, as communities. Are we empowering or are we quenching? I just have to say, and and this may be inappropriate to say here, and you can edit it out if you need to, but it reminds me of being told as a young female minister, I don't mean to pour cold water on your calling, but you're going to get opportunities to preach during Martha Stern's Marshall Month of preaching because you're a woman. And that's the only time you're going to get opportunities because you're a woman. So I think Sorry, I think for I'm getting triggered, folks, because I mean, it's just like, yes, you can quench the spirit because as a young female minister really trying to discern my call as to, am I maybe called to preach? I don't know. Like, I thought I was on this path, but maybe this is a path. And for someone to, in authority to say that, it's disheartening. And how many times do we do that? to different people. It doesn't have to be necessarily a woman, just different people in general. How many times do we quench the spirit of say little children? You know, children, I think have a beautiful connection with God that we can learn something from. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we like, no, 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 you really don't believe. No, you know, no, you, you've got to wait till you're 10 years old before you can get baptized or whatever. So I think, I think you're right, David. I think the spirit can get quenched, and I and I think we I think it's when we get caught up in in thinking we know what's right and what's that we corner the market on it. I think that that's where we get in trouble. Well, we lost a we we lost a voice of the spirit called to preach way too soon. Rachel Held Evans was taken from us early. And yet she left with her words and writing that do remain. And I would like to read just a paragraph from one of the pieces that she wrote and preached. And it was on the Spirit. And here's how it goes. She said, The Spirit is like fire, deceptively polite in its dance atop the wax and wick of our church candles but wild and mercurial as a storm when unleashed. Fire holds no single shape, no single form. It could roar through a forest or fuminate in a cannon. It can glow in hot coals or flit around in embers, but it cannot be held. The living know it indirectly through, through heat, through light, through tendrils of smoke snaking through the sky through the scent of burning wood, through the itch of ash in the eye. Fire consumes. It creates in its destroying and destroys in its creating. The furnace that smelts the ore drives off slag, and the flame that refines the metal purifies the gold. The fire that torches a centuries-old tree can crack open her cones and spill out their seeds. When God led his people through the wilderness, the spirit blazed in a fire that rested over the tabernacle each night. And when God made the church, 
The spirit blazed in little fires that rested over his people's heads. Quench not the spirit, the apostle wrote. It is as necessary and as dangerous as fire. So stay alert. Pay attention. Good words for us to linger on. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.